Welcome to episode 453 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Is it the last podcast standing? No, they're back. They're back on the airwaves, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to um, the pinball shows, Ken and Zach are back on the airwaves. Their new, their new show was yesterday, the pinball show. Um, check it out. It sounds it sounds like I thought it would be. It's it's a combination of special and lit. And this week in pinballs, pinball podcast, pretty much bolted together. So if you liked either one of those shows, I think you'll enjoy um, what they've put together. Um, so you know, look, there's also new news in in uh, the pinball world that Zach and Greg are not going to be hosting the Twippies this year. Let's talk a little bit about that on this episode. We're going to interview Damien over at Haggis Pinball, about a half-hour interview about his indestructible playfields, and we talk a little bit about that, why he chose Celts as a theme to launch a pinball company with. Um, what else is going on? There's not that much going on. People are flaming out of the hobby a little bit. Did you see the news? Um, Jason Fowler over at Slap Save Pinball Podcast listed a bunch of his collection for sale. And I'm, I'm not sure if that means he's getting out of the pinball hobby. I'm not sure if that means he's not going to do his pinball network interview show. But clearly uh, something's going on. You know, whenever someone just wakes up one day and just says, I've had enough and starts to list games for sale and wants a little bit of an exit from the hobby. I've always said this, I understand why people reach a point in which they completely are are just done with it. They're done with the personalities, they're done with the drama, done with the tons of money they've sunk into pinball machines. But more than that, the thing that really burns people out, it's just the amount of mental power the amount of mental space you apply to pinball, it takes over people's lives. And I'm telling you, and I've said it before, it's not worth it. Pinball's fun. Pinball's entertaining. But when it reaches the point where it becomes the center of your world, the center of your universe, the center of your house, the center of your free time, the center of your vacation space. You know, people travel the world and instead of engaging in the best restaurants and sightseeing abilities, they're like, where's the, where's the pinball? Let's go play pinball. Let's hang out with pinball people. And for many of us, for most of us, I would say we are able to create some sort of balance. You know, I was telling Brenda last night, I'm like, Brenda, like walk around our apartment. There, there's there's not even a pinball machine here. When we talk about what are we doing this weekend, the pinball's not even on the list of things I want to do this weekend. Hanging out with pinball people is not on the list of people I want to see in the near future. And so you have to, you have to kind of find what works for you. Now, I'm not sure if Jason's completely out. I would hate to see him go. I love Slap Save Pinball Podcast. I'm not sure if any of the drama around all the pinball media has impacted him at all, but he'll tell us when he's ready to tell us what, what's going on. I looked at it like he was just thinning out his collection. He had a huge collection, and it didn't look like he was listing everything for sale. So also in the news, Zach and Greg will not be hosting the Twippy Awards this year. And this is coming up real soon now. And all of a sudden, the hosts are now up in the air. And Jeff over at This Week in Pinball put out a little statement saying that they've gone their separate ways. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but part of me just feels like 
just bummed out about the last four weeks or so of all of this joining together, all of this behind-the-scenes drama, some of which obviously I, I've been a part of, and now the Twippies are losing the two guys who have hosted it the first two years, and I thought Greg and Zach brought a lot of energy to that show, and I would argue that the show was very much about them as well. You can't just extract the entertaining host from a show and still feel like the show's going to go on and be even more fun and exciting this year. And in, and in fact, the entire sort of here's I'm just going to be candid. I think all of this reshuffling of all of the pinball media and all the pinball streamers and all of this stuff, I feel like it all could have waited until after the Twippies, and I'll explain why. A lot of work goes into the show. A lot of planning goes into the show. A lot of energy goes into celebrating the best in pinball at Texas Pinball Festival, and I just feel like everyone just like, you know, the cards just all went up in the air, and now it's all chaotic. And for you, the listeners of all these shows, it's been chaotic for you. For the people planning the show, it's now chaotic for them. And it's sort of just like sucked the air out of the room. And the enthusiasm to get down there, the enthusiasm to be a part of this event, it's just dissipated. And I don't know. And then, you know, there's there's a lot of behind the scenes conversations where it's like, I don't need to win a Twippy. I've already won one. I don't even know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Like, what have you won? I, I don't get it. And so there's like just been a lot of uh, it just it's like everyone wants to now make it sound like it means nothing and then it means very little and and that the show is is insignificant and we should all just be positive and get along and 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 and, and spread the gospel of pinball. And so, you know, it's it is what it is. It's unfortunate. I, I think we're gonna win the third Twippy. I think as results were coming in. It was quite clear where, where, where the uh, the enthusiasm and where the audience lies. And I want to say to all of you who listen to this show, thank you very much. We didn't go away. We didn't take a break. We didn't make you buy a t-shirt that no longer <laughs> has a show that's associated with it. We're still here. We're still doing what we do. We haven't, you know, any look, and I have to be honest too, I'm a little bit fatigued by the lack of news in the pinball world lately. It's been a little bit of a, of a dry spell. We've got Stranger Things, which has been underwhelming. Now, if you saw, there was a flipping, a dead flip. Jack Danger's going to do a Stranger Things stream tomorrow night, Wednesday night, in which it says, secret revealed. There's some, is there some secret in this game that is going to change our opinions about Stranger Things pinball? What could it be? Is there like is there a special way to press the buttons in which uh, you know a new toy actually pops up and makes the game more interesting? I think what they're going to reveal has to do with more about how to uh, maybe register hits on the Demogorgon, and it's going to be some new thing like that. Um, so I'm reading the Stranger Things thread. Oh, you know, owners are enjoying the game. It's the typical thing. When you spend $9,000 on a toy, you're going to say you're really having a good time. I mean, who's going to open up a $9,000 Stranger Things LE and be like, I'm really not enjoying this game? Nobody. But it's funny to me because this always happens. It's like the owners, who cares if people don't like the game and you do? Who cares, right? 
But the overwhelming consensus around Stranger Things is not that positive. And there's a reason why it's not that positive. And and I'm sorry, but it, it was a fumbled launch. It was one of the worst ways to show the projector ever. The code is uninspiring. I, I get that there's a lot of modes in it, but the callouts and the way you play the game, it just doesn't pull you in. There's another game that came out at the same time that pulls you in better, and that's Rick and Morty. Now, Rick and Morty is another game. It's like, when is it going to ship? Here we are. Mid-February, zero games are out the door. I have to say this, as number 50 in the lineup, I'm getting probably a game that's going to be built before any games make it out on location. I was hoping the first 20 or so would be out there, so if there were any issues, they would catch them and maybe make a little changes, but they're going all in with the first 50 or so are going to be out the door before any get any location play. And, and it's not a problem, but, you know, at some point, this game's got to be released. At, at some point, you got to let owners have it. And we know the games are done. We know they're sitting in boxes. So the only question is, what's the holdup? Now, I think you're going to see it this week. So I think this is it. The, the floodgates are going to open on Rick and Morty. And I think they've just been waiting to get the code as great as they can because they want everyone's first impression of this superly hyped game to be as positive as possible, okay? And I think that's important. I think it's important. It's like, you know, I'm in the Elvira thread and a couple things with Elvira, people are loving the code updates. People are loving the game. It's look, Lyman Sheets is going to make a great game. There is a service bulletin if you own an Elvira. There's a service bulletin. I think it's on the back loop skill shot loop or something like that where you actually have to take your game apart and fix it now service bulletins don't go out very frequently from stern i think there was one remember when game of thrones had a service bulletin and how to fix the the orbit and i think this is something similar i think it's like the back orbit skill shot needs to be fixed now what's funny about stern is when they have a service bulletin which means this needs to happen on the game. They don't publicize it. They don't proactively reach out. They just put it out there. It's more for like distributors to be aware of something that could be a potential issue with the game that you have to now go fix on your own. Or maybe you have a good distributor locally, okay? But there is a service bulletin on Elvira. If you own the game, take a look for that service bulletin, all right? All right, what else is going on in pinball? Oh, man, man, oh, man, oh, man, not much. We're all just sort of sliding towards March. A lot of, uh, you know, there's nothing to say. I, I think we'd all be beneficial to all of our health in the pinball hobby. You might as well just take a couple weeks off from all the, the internet forums. Unless you're seeing people play Rick and Morty, there's nothing new, man. There ain't nothing new to talk about. Uh, so that is why we interviewed Damien over at Haggis Pinball. I'm going to air it for you right now. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in to Canada's Pinball Podcast. We'll always make this entertaining. We'll always make it short and to the point. Let's 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 talk to Damien and see what, why he came up with this uh, playfield method and why he picked Celts. And it's it's a nice little chat. And then we'll be back this week. I'm also going to interview the man who's done the rounds. And I'm hoping by the time I talk to him, the first unboxing has happened. 
and that is Mr. Scott Denisi. Everyone, this has been Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 453. We'll talk to you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast a man coming to us all the way from Tuesday morning in Australia, Damien from Haggis Pinball. Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You know, I've been, Damien, I've been talking a lot about your latest video, and I want to talk about how you guys developed. And I know you didn't create this system, but let's talk about Playfields first, okay? Then we'll talk about Celts, the game. Sure. Okay. So we've all seen the video by now. I raved about it on my last show that this sort of seemingly indestructible Playfield method for listeners of the show, walk us through how you're making this play field resistant to dimples, cracks, and craters? Well, I suppose in the most simplest form, we have got a combined birch, plywood, and acrylic sandwich, if you like, of materials that we're using to form our play fields. Okay. It's pretty so much as simple as that. <laughs> there's wood underneath. Yep. The next layer is, is the artwork screen printed to the acrylic so um and i will hopefully do a video in the next sort of week or two if i get a bit of time to just go through this process but and we sort of have gone back and forth on a number of different ways to achieve this but at the moment what we think the best outcome is is we have actually printed um the artwork uh, reverse printed transparent onto the back of the acrylic and the white layer that then will normally sit underneath the color layer is on is um also vinyl onto the wood okay so there's there's art on both the acrylic and the wood well so any art well not really so any art application is always backed up with a layer of white because normally if you for example were if even if just with using the current process if you were to print color onto the wooden playfields as you do and you didn't have a white layer underneath it you would actually see the wood somewhat through the artwork yeah so there's always a white layer that backs up or sits behind your color layer because that helps give it some vibrancy it gives it block out it's what makes it look as good as it looks so in our instance we've got the white portion on the wood and we have the color portion on the back of the acrylic okay all right so i get it wood white on top of the wood reverse Mm -hmm. printed onto the acrylic makes the colors pop put those together now it is is the acrylic adhered to the wood in any way, or is it just sitting on top of it? We will at the moment. It's not. So I think, and this is one of the things I need to clarify because I did make the comment about chemically and mechanically bonding, and we do have chemi- chemical bonding going on, but not between those two layers per se. We will and do have a couple of small strategic pieces of um, sort of high-quality commercial double-sided tape, effectively. There will be a technical term for this that I'm sure I won't be representing (laughs) particularly well. Um, But fundamentally, uh, actually having those two glued down, for want of a better term, presents some more problems and concerns um, with relation to the different substrates and the way that they move. So it's fundamentally mechanically bonded, which basically means I'm bolting the two things together. Okay. Now, I've got a bunch of questions, but first is, why did you guys do this? What was the genesis or the impetus to try to to create this? 
Well, I mean, look, coming from, I'm not sure if you know much about my history or my background, which is not, not extensive. So when I came into this whole shebang, you know, less than 18 months ago, I was looking at everything with fresh eyes. So I had no necessary understanding or concept of, well, this is how play fields are manufactured and this is how they've always been manufactured and this is what you do. So I looked at everything like, well, okay, how about if we do this and if how about if we do that? So the idea of producing some form of hybrid playfield or a playfield that was made out of a different material than wood that that was probably the first thing that entered my mind straight up it was like well this seems strange why don't we just do that and then when you start to work through the commercial reality of it you start to work through the products that are currently available on the market and how you would work with them and how you pull it all together you find that you sort of end up getting steered back down the path of what everybody does currently because wood is a relatively cheap material um it's obviously exists in a format that means you can make use of it for the purposes of a playfield straight away i.e they're big flat stable sheets of wood that you can cut um and so you end up i guess stepping aside from those more radical concepts and falling back into the into the same tr- what seems to be the same tried and true method so I guess to try to answer right. that, to come back and try to answer that question, it it was a always a thought right from the start, but it probably only became paramount to me really in the last sort of three months where I sort of thought I really need to address this problem with the playfields. Otherwise, I end up just producing the exact same playfield that's currently being produced and clearly currently has issues. Right. And so you you obviously were reading the issues people were having with Stern Games, Jersey Jack Games, Mirko's, Playfields. With your game Celts and Haggis Pinball, were you outsourcing Playfield development? No. No. And in fact, um, every aspect of manufacturing this machine um, is done in-house by me, within reason, obviously. I don't have a injection a plastic injection molding facility so there's obviously components and bits that you buy in but anything that i could do in-house i do do in-house so that means i cut the cabinets i cut the play fields um, i cut my own inserts and and basically anything that i can i do okay and did you see that this method or a similar method was done with thunderbirds and i believe team pinball is the mafia and and there were previous games in the 90s that that also experimented with this kind of Playfield solution. Have you have you seen any of those games, or did you did those inspire you at all? Well, funnily enough, it was it was actually yeah, it was a 1982 Belly's Electra that has a complete polycarb, I assume, or plastic top to it, and that was probably one of the things in the end that that pushed us over to say yeah, we can actually do this and achieve this. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, obviously, the actual implementation is different between all these various. Uh, various um pinball machines and companies right. but yep so electra full full polycarb play field 30 years old and the one i was playing on you you wouldn't really know that it was 30 years old to be honest so damien there are the skeptics out there the the pinball purists we'll call them who say that a ball will not roll the same way over <laughs> this acrylic as it would wood in clear coat what do you think are you seeing any difference in gameplay no Short answer. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I and mean, this is this has been talked about a lot as well. Um, you're right; there probably will always be purists that will debate um, the position, and and that's fine. That's that's the way uh, the world works and life works. 
but as we know, I mean, you, you nobody's been playing on a bare wooden playfield forever, right? So it's always been some version or variation of clear coat or polyurethane or wax or something that is separating you effectively from the wood. Um, right. Really, today today's modern clear coats are probably more akin to the acrylic that I'm using than they are to wood. So the reality is, I'm probably yeah. A couple, you know. couple, couple questions. So, is you you yep. talked about cost? Is it mm-hmm. more expensive to do it this way than the traditional wood art clear coat? Yes, yeah, it is. Um, uh, there's trade offs and benefits, obviously, because it's a slightly different process. So your material costs go up significantly, um, but then your time to manufacture reduces and the manual labor that's associated with getting the wooden play field to manufacture also reduces so um, you make some savings you have some increased costs and overall it does end up more expensive um, you know not not like five times the cost or anything but, th- but it is more expensive um, and I just felt that the that added expense the benefits of that still outweigh the um, the additional expense are we talking twice as much? Can you give a ballpark of because because I think that's to 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 the listeners of the show they're like well that's why Stern's not going to do it that's why Jersey Jack it's the cost because they're the bigger companies they're they're on a a mission to to lower their cost and increase their prices so do you think they're just not looking at this because of the cost associated? Oh, look, I mean, I obviously can't speak for them, but I mean, commercial reality is obviously always a consideration. I mean, that's that's the truth of it. You know, I could I could turn around and probably tell you that I could give you a wooden play field that I could do the same sledgehammer test with, but it might be 10 times the cost and take 12 months to get back to you. I mean, there will always be a solution to a problem, but the reality is, will people pay for it? And yeah, you're right. I mean, bomb is always a consideration. I guess I have the luxury of being about as boutique as they come um you know i have the ability to move fairly quickly or change a process and i and i guess in reality take some risks because it is as you said it it will no doubt be somewhat controversial to the purist or to people that are used to pinball the way they think that it is um and they're probably all considerations for the bigger guys as well as their turnaround times and lead times i mean you know i'm looking to, if I can make small quantities and sell small quantities of Celts, that would be a good thing for me. But I'm sure for the larger manufacturers, you know, they're looking and they do in orders magnitudes of thousands and thousands of machines. It's a completely different equation, I would imagine. Right. You know, it's interesting because when you think about cost, there's also the headache that Jersey Jack and Stern had to endure when they had to send people out you know, unpopulated play fields. Some people even got fully populated games, uh, you know, swapped in in because of play fields chipping and cracking. And I think it's, it, it, you know, it's just music to people's ears, Damien, when they hear like, I could have a game that ostensibly might not wear out forever. Now, talk to me about the wear and tear. And, and I know you've been testing this, but are we seeing any scratches? I had a plastic overlay on my Batman. You, you see a little bit of, you know, wear and tear on the top, but what was it? What, it, what is it like? Is it, is it wear free right now? Or do you think this thing is going to hold up over time? Yeah, look, and, and it's obviously it's, you know, if I had a crystal ball, um, then the decisions would be a lot easier, but yeah, to look to all intents and purposes, and I don't know the exact material that they currently use for some of the other um, playfield protectors and hardtops, but we've got a 
um, a hardened scratch-resistant acrylic material. And um, as I said, I've got a little test rig that's been running. It's now kicked over a million rolls. It's probably up to about 1.2 million rolls of a ball back and forth, and there is no, absolutely no sign of wear at all. Um, People have mentioned that that might not be a real world or a real, you know, situation to be testing because there's no um, metal dust and there's no bits and pieces that might add to that quality. Um, Yeah, look, it's hard. I mean, I've taken a piece of steel wool to this acrylic and it doesn't scratch either. So (laughs) it's hard. Look, I would love for someone to take some steel wool to their brand new Stranger Things play field. I I would just pay to see the results of that test. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and look, it's all, look, even the hammer test and the sledgehammer test, I mean, that's a bit, it obviously um, creates an impact and, and shows the product, but it's not really a, a real world example, right? Because you're not going to get a pinball coming down the same way you get a sledgehammer coming down. But um, so it, it, it's difficult. And I suppose I can't, you know, categorically answer some of those questions about how it'll hold up right. over the journey. But I am confident that it is a current recent quality product and it's, implemented and used in very harsh abrasive environments so i am very confident and i guess over the next uh you know a year or two we'll we'll see if that's a um if that's a fair position for me to hold now were you inspired damien by the deep root promise of a sledgehammer is that is that why you guys (laughs) grabbed one no no not not specifically i mean um, as you just I said, randomly thought, let's just grab a sledgehammer. You never do. Yeah. I mean, so deep roots also promise this ability to create a, a, a play field that's going to be resistant to all the normal things people have been facing with pinball play fields. So, and, and I think I heard from, are they, do you think they're going to go a different method or you think we're going to see something similar from them? Yeah, look, it's a good question. I, I honestly don't understand. I mean, I guess one of the benefits of just being so busy as I have been in this lead up um, over the last, oh, it feels like a constant lead up, but the current lead up is towards TPF 2020 that I don't actually get a lot of time to sort of sit down and and sift through the, the various posts on Pinside or, or read much commentary. So I don't know, and I actually don't think Deep Root have said a lot, have they, about how it is that they're even hinted about how it is they're going to make their play fields? No, we should, don't we, should, know. we should find out in mid-March they're doing yeah. their press day in which all will be revealed to the world yeah. finally. So it's probably yeah. a good thing that you don't read too much Pinside. You, you probably end up much happier <laughs> than all the moaning and groaning. <laughs> So let's yeah. let's talk about Celts. So is first is this playfield going to be in all Celts games moving forward? Yes, it will be. To any extra cost? No. Okay. And and, what- and um I can just to add to that, if, if yep. anybody is um, you know, so inclined that they don't want one of these playfields, I can manufacture a traditional playfield if that's what people prefer. So I haven't taken that off the table. I'm just not including that as um as part of what we're offering moving forward. I mentioned, I don't know if you listen to Canada's Pinball Podcast, we're, we're just number one. Uh, I did mention <laughs> on my other show that any thoughts about going into playfield manufacturing as a business model for you guys and just making playfields for people that are impervious to wear and tear? Um, no plans. Uh, like everything in life, I, I never say never. So I suppose if an opportunity presented itself or people wanted that 
enough, then sure, I would be potentially open to it. But no, I mean, the, at the moment, the direction has always been to start a pinball manufacturing company. And so my intent is to produce machines. And I guess we'll see if that branches out into anything else. Right. Now, on this show, Damien, we talk a lot about theme is everything. And I work in marketing and I'm, I'm always hard on themes. I, I, I'm just curious. How did you land at Celts as the inaugural title for the company? <laughs> oh, look, it was just... It was just a byproduct, I think, of where I was when I started this whole journey. I mean, I, I literally, and I'm sure people have said it a few times, when I bought my first pinball machine, which was a Pinbot, and I brought that home just prior to September 2018, I, I didn't know how to take the back glass out. Like, that was the point I was starting at. And I bought it and I thought, oh, this will be an interesting hobby. I'll learn all about it. I love tinkering. I love figuring things out. So I'll learn and I'll do a restoration. So that what is what basically then fed into me deciding to start the, the company. So because I set myself a lot of targets and goals to reach, one of them being getting a Whitewood to TPF uh, 2019, I had a very, very compressed timeline. And starting from that point of basically zero knowledge and I guess it's probably zero understanding of what is involved in doing what I've been doing, um, licensing and themes just seemed one more thing that was going to be too hard or too far for me to try to get done in the time I needed to. So I think early on in the piece, there was probably two things I ruled out. One was ramps because I didn't know how I was going to make ramps and I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to figure that out along with everything else. And the other was theme because I thought I also don't know how to get a theme and the budget required in order to land one, et cetera, et cetera. So they just got shelved straight away. Right. Celts then just sort of so, – so that meant I was on an original theme um, the business partner that I started with needed to step away from the business. So we originally had started with a different theme. So Celt sort of came about very, very quickly, about eight weeks out from getting a Whitewood to Texas. And um, yeah, is that other basically themes, how we had it. Is that other theme still in the cards for a future release? It could be. It could be. I mean, I now that I have now spent the past 18 months um, heavily engrossed in the industry. Yes, I too appreciate the importance of a theme and and um, I recognise that pinball number two is definitely going to need to be something that is has that appeal and it is it is a licensed product. So right. um, maybe, maybe further down the track. And there had been interest in that original theme that we had um, first started talking about. So if the potential arises, sure, it's, nothing's off the table. Now, let's, so... You made this synaptic leap to start a pinball company. I'm, I'm trying to. What was it? What was what made you <laughs> go from break? Maybe. Yeah. What made you go from having a game, figuring out how to take the translate off, to saying I should start a pinball company? Like, did you? Are you doing it because you just love it so much, or do you also feel like there's a financially viable white space in the market for haggis right now? Oh, look, I, I suppose it's a it's a bit of all of the above, I guess. I mean, it, it, it also, you know, it, it indicates obviously my personality type in that, you know, I, I like a challenge and, uh, you know, I like to think I'm entrepreneurial. So, yeah, when I looked at it at a very high level, I thought the industry is growing, the market's growing. I think there's an opportunity still for another manufacturer. There's no manufacturers in Australia. So, I, you know, I, at a very high level, I sort of thought that there was an opportunity there to start a business and, and sure, get financial reward for it. But equally then, I, you know, I love pinball. I always have. It was one of those, like everybody says, I guess they fall back in love with it from their childhood. And, um, you know, it was just a continual 
you know, it, it just reaffirms my interest and, and my love for the hobby and everything about it. The more and more I worked on it and the deeper and deeper I got into it because it had so many aspects and so many challenges and so many things to figure out. And, and I think, as I said, that just matches my personality type perfectly. Right. So it was just a continual growth, I think. Right. And so, so Damon, is Haggis your day job right now? Is, is this what you're focused on? Yeah, it has been now for over 12 months. Oh, okay, great. And and Celts, is it is it out? Is it shipping? There will be so the first production machines are going to make their way to TPF. So, okay. yeah. So effectively when I get to TPF and certainly when I get back from TPF and MGC, um, that will be all of the final bits of development done um, and it'll effectively be rubber stamped as this is now our production model and now we are just simply making what we have right now right now you've you've seen the hobby you've seen the boutique companies what was it like watching another boutique spooky pinball were you watching their rick and morty was that another thing that reinforced theme watching them sell out in four hours of of the game no question no question i mean look i knew that you know, I probably knew that well and truly six months ago. I think, uh, you know, to be honest, probably the first six months into this journey, um, I was probably still saying, no, 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 there's room for an unlicensed theme. And and the reality is, I suppose, uh, I sort of forget myself now because it's been such a, um, a hectic schedule. But part of these decisions early on in the piece about whether or not we could manufacture was things like, yeah, TNA coming out, the Mafia had just been announced. And I sort of looked at those two things and went, well, these are – Original themes, single level play field, TNA has been unbelievably well received. And so that was that little bit of catalyst in my head that said, right, okay, we can do a single level play field. We can do an original theme. And I think I held on to that probably for, for the good six months thereafter until I started to realize, well, really, we really do have to move with a licensed theme moving forward. But, um, you know, right. Celts is what it is. It's representative of where I was and uh, what I've managed to achieve. Well, um, what do you mean? What, how does Celts represent where you were in life? I just, I just want to know the, a little bit of that story because. Well, I mean, mean? So, I mean, in so far as it's, a, it's an original theme and it's a single level play field because where I was at that point when I started that was basically zero knowledge, okay. zero knowledge and zero appreciation for the industry. So it was, it was very much you know, big rose colored glasses on thinking this is going to be fantastic. I'm just going to make a pinball machine. I'll make it fun and, and everyone will love it. So Right, right. Okay, okay. I didn't know if you went like full yeah. paleo living in a cave and you went back to our ancestral no. <laughs> roots for a while. No. Okay. I do have, I do, my mother's Scottish. So there is a, there is a tie there to the Celts, which is partly why that's the theme because it was, um, it was familiar and I thought it would lend itself well to a bit of, uh, you know, comic relief. Right. Now you 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 Aussies, am I saying that right? Aussies, how do I say it? I always say it That's wrong. That's better. The second one is better. Aussies. Aussies. Okay, you guys spend a fortune importing these games from Stern and these other companies. Was part of the genesis to sort of have something made locally so people aren't aren't paying through the nose to enjoy new pinball? Yeah, definitely. I mean, being the only Australian manufacturer, Australian based manufacturer, certainly. Yeah, that was certainly appealing for sure. I thought that would also. Um, you know, at least maybe add a little bit of interest to to the journey into the company that um, doesn't currently exist in the in the worldwide market. Right. Well, and and curious too, as you start a boutique and you see the other boutiques and and certain certain things they've done to sort of you know get get their feet off the ground. 
Have you explored limited number of Celts games just to move it and then get on to game number two? Or is it just as many as we get orders, we'll build? Like, what's the what's the strategy for the launch? No, I will be. And you got an exclusive here because I haven't told anybody this. But yeah, we will be limiting it to 200. 200 machines only, which you might think is probably too, it's probably 150 too many. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yes, we will be, I, I will be um, putting a lid on it. I'm no, very respectful not. to my guests. Look, you can always, <laughs> you can always go down the number. Look, at least it's not 5,000 limited no, editions of Willy Wonka. <laughs> That's right. So, That's okay. Right. So this game, you're coming to TPF. Now, any worry that, this year's TPF feels like it could be a crowded space. We might have Guns and Roses, Ninja Turtles. Uh, we're gonna have Deep Roots gonna finally show their game. Who knows if there's gonna be another game from Chicago Gaming? Uh, is 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 there any anxiety that it's becoming really crowded? Um, no, not really. I think I've already, um, you know, as we talk about themes, I think I've already sort of understood that. Um, this machine isn't necessarily going to be for everybody. In fact, it might not be for a lot of people, and um, and and that's okay. Um, so whether there's you know some big licensed machines that come out, I don't know that that's going to necessarily have a bearing because I don't know that people are going to be tossing up between, hey, I'll buy a Celts or I'll buy the next Guns and Roses. I think I think the people that will be interested in buying a Celts will be interested irrespective because it probably appeals to them for, for a different reason, whether that's because of the company and the journey that we're on, whether that's because they see um, or they have some sort of affiliation to that Celtic community and they would love to have one that represents their family or their, their parents or whatever. Um, so, no, not not really, not really. Um, I think if it was a big if, – if it was sort of a big licence theme that we were going after as well, maybe – because <laughs> there's right. obviously only so much room in the market. Right. But no, I think mine's different enough that it'll it'll be what it'll be. Now, Damien, I'm going to offer you, and this is another exclusive, I guess. <laughs> I will offer my services for free as a marketing professional. As you're developing other themes, I will happily bounce ideas back and forth with you. We'll do it offline. I'll sign an NDA so that if if we land somewhere nice, because there's a lot of open IP that is available, even if it's not licensed themes. There's a lot of stories out there that you yeah. can use under uh, open um, open copyright. Yep. So yeah, lots out there. So happy to discuss that. So game number two is it in development? No, it's not. And thank you very much for that offer, by the way. I think I will probably be speaking with you. Thank you. Um, no, not not currently. Um, as I said, I'm just sort of, we're finishing off the final bits and pieces for Celt. So it's really just a matter of, of buckling down right now. We, we've had some very, very high level discussions around what potential themes would be and um, some of the direction we would potentially take, but we, we haven't sort of started in earnest as yet. Um, the idea or the plan will be to let's get Texas and MGC out of the way behind us. Uh, we'll get back to Australia and much in the same way I did after TPF 2019, I'll reassess where we're at and we'll work a plan forward for the for the next 12 months. Sounds like a plan. So hopefully I'll see you. I'm, I'm still debating where I'm going with these shows. There's Texas, there's MGC. I got to go to a wedding in Ireland in March. It's getting hard. It's getting hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're a bit closer for you than it is for me though. So I know, I know. <laughs> so do you have a collection of games right now in your home? 
Um, I have a few. Yeah, I've got what have I got? I got Doctor Who, Adam's Family, Judge Dread, and um, Getaway, and a couple of Pinbots. Okay, what's so your what's your overall assessment about modern pinball? How how do you feel? Do do you feel people are getting their money's worth? Do you feel these games are as creative as they could be? What what mm. what are your thoughts? You're leading me down a path here. Aren't <laughs> the you? dark side of Canada's <laughs> pinball podcast. Welcome to Canada's <laughs> pinball podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I I generally am a very positive person. I'm one of those, and this will probably be an answer that's not controversial enough for you, but I'm one of these people. To give an analogy, it's very hard for me to go into a movie cinema and not enjoy a movie. If there's something, um, like if the movie is universally hated, there's usually something I can find that I like. It's either the cinematography or it's the direction or it's the actor or it's the location. There's usually something. And I'm pretty much the same when it comes to pinball. You know, I, I, I just enjoy pinball. I enjoy everything about pinball. So modern machines, value for money, uh, look – I don't know. <laughs> it's very hard for me to say. I, I know that for what I've been through making this machine, um, there is an awful amount of work involved. There is an awful amount of expense involved. So whilst, I guess, BOM could be reduced to a point, there are still a lot of other overheads and money that goes into making these things happen that isn't necessarily obvious when you just look at the things that are on a machine so value right. for money yeah right. I, I, i'm not sure well <laughs> I and i can't and, really and damien i think you bring up a good point because there, there's been a lot of just negativity people are getting burnt out of the hobby sorry bub is barking but <laughs> it's a toy meant for enjoyment and i think most people would agree that Positivity is something that this hobby does need. People are getting burnt out. They're forgetting that these things are toys for entertainment. Obviously, I wouldn't have a show if I just said pinball is awesome because there, there's a lot of high prices and there's a lot of expectations when you start making a theme based on people's beloved uh, you know, favorite movie, favorite TV sure. show, favorite band. But it's a good time to be in pinball, right? Because we have nothing but a ton of options coming uh, in 2020. What are you most excited to see released this year besides Celts? <laughs> I am very interested to see the new Guns N' Roses machine. I, I'd only actually played the um, Data East Guns N' Roses not too long ago for the first time. And I, just, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I am very excited to see what that looks like. Um are you a big JNR fan? Because people have been saying, like, I don't think it's going to sell. I think people underestimate how big Guns is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I am. I mean, again, I, I love music. I've played in bands and all that sort of things over the years. So, yeah, I mean, Guns N' Roses is one of those bands that's on my rotation list all the time anyway. So, sure. Um, and the fact that um, Slash is such a big pinhead just, you know, it just lends itself to, you know, being a good machine. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, loved it when the original film came out in the cinemas. I don't know how old I was then, but, um, yeah, not as excited. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I just, just, just aren't for whatever reason. Um, cause you're a grown man. That's why Ninja <laughs> Turtles, <laughs> like I just, I, I, you age out of turtles. I keep telling this to people. It, it's one of those properties where it's neat, but nobody, I'm 43, n nobody my age casually socially is bringing up ninja turtles ever yeah yeah 
Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is one of these things. It's probably this conversation that we can have, have later. I mean, trying to understand what it is that entices people. Um, obviously, Stern has a very good formula, and they've been able to get all of the, you know, the big ticket movies and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't know. It's it's difficult. It's difficult for me to even think right. about what I would imagine would be a a surefire hit. Right. All right. So, Damien, thank you for taking the time. So, I want to let listeners of the show. Uh, just, just know. So, if they want to check out your new game, you're going to be at TPF and MGC in 2020. Correct. I'm going to run at the game with a hammer. So, get that glass off because <laughs> I want to make sure this thing <laughs> lives up to the hype. I might have, might have to bring a spare one. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time. Obviously, that video did create a lot of conversation, and I do think that this method, if it stands up to the test of time is something that all pinball collectors want to see implemented in their games because nothing is greater than having a game that doesn't fall apart. Excellent. Now, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Damien. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.